Hello, this is Angela coming to you from the Scholar's Attic uh, with a bit of an interlude between all of these history lessons. As the events of 2020 continue to unfold around us and at lightning speed, I felt it was necessary to take a sidebar, a very related sidebar, not off topic by any means. In fact, the following 10 minutes or so, and, and you'll know when you hit that 10 minutes because it picks up mid-word. I'm at the beginning of a sentence and I, I'm doing my best with editing. Like everything else with this technology craziness and the quarantine, I'm, I'm learning a lot of this on the fly. Um, but I had a 10-minute segment that was going to be at the beginning of the next history lesson. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know, this just needs to stand on its own. Uh, maybe this is something else that other people need to hear. I don't know. But it didn't really belong at the beginning of a lesson about the Civil War. Uh, so what I want to talk about today is about several things, actually, but it all comes down to taking this self-isolation and putting it to good use and seeing the big picture in what we're going through now. Uh, now, I am not a minister. I am not here to expound on uh, deeper subjects that other people have already done and to much better effect than I. But in hearing the questions and getting the emails from different students, from talking to people in my own circle of friends, my own community, I, I'm seeing a commonality of concern that goes beyond, hey, do they still have toilet paper at the grocery store? It's something a little bit deeper. And so I wanted to address that. So especially if you're doing this real time in 2020, that uh, the coronavirus and the self-isolation that most of us are practicing uh, is the reality right now. And I wanted to speak to that for a minute because I'm getting some interesting comments and questions from uh, students, from parents, from friends, uh, from people that I, anymore, even if we weren't in quarantine, uh, I would still, my only contact with them is online. and. That has to do with the isolation itself, not just the cabin fever per se, but what this is going to do to us as a culture um, if we are in quarantine for even three or four weeks. Um, and, and that's assuming that, you know, nobody else gets sick, nobody else, you know, dies, but just the, the fact that we are all staying home for the foreseeable future you know this this is a this is a very defining moment that we are living through right now and i just want to acknowledge that before we move on because as we work through the american civil war as we go on to topics beyond uh if if we continue to do this till the end of the school year which is looking likely um i i i know that it will be almost impossible for me to talk about the remaining chunk of American history without referring to what we're going through now, because there are parts of what's going on in our, na uh, our nation right now and in the world at large uh, that um, is drastically reshaping 
who we are as individuals, who we are as nations, and who we are as a global community. So just a couple of thoughts before we move into the Civil War. Um, for one thing, my, my dad ran across an article a couple days ago where the person gave the very valid opinion, I would consider it fact, that this event that we're going through right now is one that will change and define this generation. And by this generation, I believe the article, uh, the author of the article specifically meant your generation. So we're talking about students in high school and college. Um, and, and that's really very true. One of the things that's been weird about world culture and American culture in particular over the last 10 or 15 years since the internet just really hit its stride is that we have all become a nation of individuals. It's about the nation of the self, the nation of the one. Um, what's on, you know, what music are you listening to? It's like, well, which, which iPod, which smartphone, which computer are you looking at? Who you're talking to? There, there's not this commonality of music, of art, um, of, of media uh, that was just status quo of earlier generations. Um, so for my 2020 youngster crowd, let me put it in this perspective. Um, for those of us who grew up, let's say, before the events of 9-11, all of us have key events in history that we can point back to and say, I remember exactly where I was on this day when this thing happened. So basically, anybody who was over the age of five in 2001 can probably tell you exactly where they were and what they were doing and what was going through their head when news broke of the planes hitting the Twin Towers. Um, my mom and dad have an equally vivid memory of exactly where they were when uh, news broke that J.F. Kennedy was shot. My grandparents had equally clear memories about where they were and what they were doing when news broke about the bombing of Pearl Harbor. So that sort of thing was, was normal. I mean, even smaller things that were maybe not quite so earth shattering. Uh, talk to anybody who was marginally aware of news in the 1980s and um, ask them about the Challenger explosion. Ask them about the little girl who fell down the well and kept all of America riveted to their television sets for about 36 hours. Um, there are a lot of things that as a common culture we shared where you could start off a conversation and say, hey, um, you know, everybody remembers the Challenger explosion and then move on into what you wanted to say next because everybody could have the same starting point. Well, after 9-11 and after the internet really hit its stride, that commonality of experience, that thing that you could put your finger on and everybody in your nation could understand it and remember it and use that as a open door into other topics or to uh, make examples or to underscore a point or to give insight. That really hasn't happened 
until this. So for your generation, this is going to be one of your defining moments. Um, this will be the thing that when you're an old grandpa or grandma in your rocking chair on a front porch somewhere, you'll be telling the grandkids, well, I remember back in the spring of 2020 when the coronavirus broke out. And then you're just going to have this stack of stories to go with it. Um, so why am I bringing this up here? Uh, well, I, I'm bringing this up here because I had another interesting related conversation with my dad yesterday, and we were talking about habits, the fact that it takes three weeks to break a habit or to form a new habit. Well, we are all sitting at home right now with nowhere to go. Our schedules have been cleared. Um, our distractions have been removed. We all have our smartphones, but I'm even seeing from some of you, from some of the people in my own house, where by yesterday afternoon, like even the nephews were like, I'm done with screen time. Like I can't stare at a screen anymore. Nathan's in the background disagreeing with me. He's the only exception to this rule in this house, just so you know. But the rest of us, like we were done with the electronics. We had to get outside. We had to walk away from it. I was ready to burn my electronics by about day three. But that's because of the constant messaging that was necessary in order to get all this distance learning set up on the fly. Um, but my point is, is that we're in a condition where, yes, we have the technology, but there's only so much time that you can spend looking at a screen. Um, at this point. Um, and maybe you're feeling that too. So going back to the whole habit thing, and I'm not talking specifically about schoolwork, I'm talking about life. Food for thought. And, and then I will move on into the lesson after this. What daily habits are you naturally creating as a result of this self-isolation? And what habits, daily habits, are you breaking as a result of this self-isolation. And I, I'm just going to leave that one on your doorstep because if you can figure out which habits need to be broken and which habits need to be formed and you take this as an opportunity to work on that, then a lot of these questions that you're asking me about, hey, how do I, you know, defeat cabin fever? You know, how do I, you know, I, I'm just getting all these great questions. Um, you know, your answer may very well lie in that. And as a parting shot, let me add, it only takes three weeks, three weeks to change a habit. In three weeks, roughly, maybe a little more, it will be Easter. If the entire crazy planet took this one piece in mind, even if there were no other... Um, deaths, no other sickness for the rest of this, and, and we were magically released from quarantine around the middle of April, if everybody in the intervening time worked on this, breaking old habits, forming new ones, we would be a different nation, and we would be a different planet by the time Easter rolls around. Easter and its message of newness and rebirth and clean slates and a new start. Of course, I say all that with the understanding that my audience is 
at least mostly Christian. So for you, Easter has a deeper meaning. Uh, if you have a new heart, if you are a new creation in Christ, then then all of what I've just said and just the sheer timing of it is just hugely significant. Now, if spiritually, if you're not there yet, then I basically you and I and the whole crazy world, we've all been put in the timeout corner for the foreseeable future. So you've got time to think, you've got time to search scripture, you've got time to really, you know, chase after the shadow of God and and see see who he is and what he has to say for you. And and by the shadow of God, I mean, you know, chasing after those answers until you get them. And I know that with my core audience, my students, uh, that, you know, you are all in families who not only love you deeply, but who love Christ deeply as their Savior, and who would answer any questions that you may have about Scripture, about the nature of God, and and even some of those hard-hitting questions that we try to get to in the theology sections of our classes at Lighthouse, like, you know, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? That's the one that you're going to hear people railing against right now, is, is that right there. It's a question that is asked a lot, even when the entire world is not on lockdown. But this is the one that even Christians have to wrestle with every now and then. It's a hard question, and you have to revisit it at different times in your life as people you love pass on, as you know, national or even global disasters happen, as uh, freak storms flatten houses or, you know, people lose their jobs. You know, there's just, you know, that question of why is at the core of who we are as humans, but it is also the beginning point of how God steps in and restores. So I would encourage you that if you are not a Christian, if Christ is not at the center of who you are yet, that you would take that time to ask the hard questions, to search scripture, to talk to your parents, to FaceTime your youth minister, and untangle some of these knots in the back of your head that have been maybe maybe been giving you a, a blister in your thinking, if that makes sense. So, food for thought. And as this is the first culture catch snippet in the lineup, you can anticipate there being more of these because you know, what I said today is obviously just a skim across the surface. I anticipate speaking to some other cultural notes along the way, hopefully not all coronavirus related, but as they pop up, I'll try to pin it down and put some boundaries on it in a face and just try to give us some vocabulary for some of this stuff as we go along. Sorry about the dings along the way. I'll keep working with those internal controls. Have a great day.